listening to the Paranormal Pursuit, hosted by Bobsy from 99.7 The Mix and Larry Wilson from the Urban Paranormal Investigation. You're not alone. We are not alone. The Paranormal Pursuit will keep you company. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever or wherever you might be listening. It's Bonzi and Larry Wilson with you again for another episode of The Paranormal Pursuit. And I tell you what, the Sally House episode last week has blown up. It is by far the most listened to episode, Larry. No kidding. Out of all of our other ones combined. Really? Yes. So I guess the hour-long podcast. Don't think you can do every one of these an hour long, okay? But uh, people listened, and i tell you what, 75% of the people that began the uh, episode finished it in one sitting. That's great. So no one left and came back. They finished the whole thing. So That probably means that about 50% of those people are possessed now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that. So, uh, guys, hey, thanks for joining us, man. And again, uh, The Paranormal Pursuit, this is season one. This is going to be episode number 10, all about the uh, Legacy Theater right here in Springfield, Illinois. Um, You can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Always check out the uh, link on the uh, Morning Mix page, 997themix.com, or follow Larry on the Facebook, and uh, he will be more than happy to, uh, you know, chit-chat with you guys. If you ever have any questions or comments that you'd like to ask about the episodes or EVPs that you hear, you might hear something different than we hear, especially with this week's episode, Larry. There's a lot of EVPs. Yeah. Um, I don't think many of these are up for discussion or or uh, debate because they're pretty clear. Right. Um, but some people might have some comments on some of the ideas and thoughts that you have on some of these EVPs, and you'll know what I'm getting at here in just a little bit. But uh, again, guys... Um, the Sally House episode, if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it. Um, that would be episode number nine, and um, we, we, we're we not done with the Sally House either, just no. so you know. So yeah. we could probably do a whole season on just the Sally House, oh, man. It's so crazy. So um, Legacy Theater, Springfield, Illinois. Again, season one, all about Larry and his first uh, trips into the paranormal and some of his investigations that he has been on, uh, some of them by himself, some of them with other investigators. Uh, so we really haven't gotten to anything that Larry and I have been together uh, on yet. But uh, Legacy Theater here in Springfield, Illinois, you're going to uh, give us a, a brief description on on what it is and what it's about and why it might be haunted. Okay. Um, well, the Legacy Theater was originally called the uh, Springfield Theater Center. Uh, it's at 101 East Lawrence Street, and as you mentioned, it's in Springfield, Illinois, so it's just south of the state capitol complex. Um, on November 8th, 1951, the center opened its doors uh, with a performance of a uh, Broadway show called Born Yesterday. And then after the opening, uh, they did so well, they received uh, congratulatory uh, telegrams from celebrities like Bob Hope and Bing oh, Crosby. Wow. Uh, Broderick Crawford, who was a, a famous you know actor back in the in the forties and fifties, but but uh, yeah, it did quite well. Um, one of the members of the theater guild at that time was an actor named Joe Neville, and according to some, Joe was a bit odd and uh, at times a little bit arrogant. Uh, some of the cast and crew were not you know super fond of him, but uh, uh, he he also had like a bit of mystery about him uh, because he was from England, and it was rumored that he had previously acted in England, but under an assumed name. But since he was, you know, such a talented and dedicated actor, 
his past was kind of overlooked and, and he was accepted by his fellow actors here locally. In, in 1955, Joe was giving, given the uh, lead role in a play called Mr. Barry's Etchings. What year is that again? Uh, 1955. Okay. Uh, but things were not quite as they seemed because after a dress rehearsal, which was just prior to the opening of the play, Joe went home and that night he committed suicide by overdosing on pills and he never performed in the show. Um, a lot of people believe that the reason Joe ended his life was due to an audit that was uh, taking place at, a, at the place where he worked. And uh, he was kind of been, he had been fingered as the one who, you know, took the, took the money. So they think that's why he killed himself, but no one's really sure what happened. But uh, you know, the old saying is the show must go on. So after Joe died, uh, his role was assigned to another actor uh, just one day before the performance was, uh, or the show was supposed to open. But uh, after Joe died, I mean, it was like almost immediately paranormal activity began. And uh, it continues to this day. And the people I talk to that uh, are associated with the, the legacy, which was once, you know, the, the Springfield Theater Guild, uh, they believe it's Joe that's there. And some say they've even seen him. Um, stage crew, actors, uh, they report like strange sounds, such as like doors opening and closing on their own. Uh, we're not going to talk about it today, but I did a... Uh, uh, Halloween night, uh, 2013 investigation there by myself. And I was seated in the auditorium, like at the front, just below the stage and had my, you know, my surveillance cameras, that type of thing. I was monitoring everything. And just out of the blue, a door slammed upstairs. And I mean, it echoed throughout the whole entire auditorium. And I went upstairs and checked and not one door was open. So, you know, it, it, but it definitely came from upstairs and it was loud. And I mean, it startled me that huh. night. So that, so I, I can vouch for at least that story. Um, others have, uh, reported lights turning on and off, uh, without reason. And we'll talk about that because we had an episode of that happened as well. Uh, costumes, tools would disappear then only to be found later in locations where they'd previously been, you know, searched. Um, I've talked to some who claim they've seen Joe's spirit and he's usually seen in the front row, like seated. And it's usually on opening night and, I think it was Scott's brother, the owner of the theater. I think it was his brother that told me this story, but he had uh, come to a performance, I believe, with his mother, and they were watching a show, and he looked over, and first he had a really odd feeling, like he just had like a feeling of sadness, and then he looked over, and he, he said, I could have swore there was somebody sitting there next to me, and there was nobody in that seat. And then he finally remembered that, you know, hey, this play, I don't know the name of the play, but he said this play is about someone that actually committed suicide in the play. So he wondered if that had anything to do with the feeling that he was getting. You know, maybe Joe was sitting next to him. Wow. Who knows? But, uh, <clears throat> but anyhow, um, for years I'd wanted to investigate the place, and I tried and tried and tried calling to get a hold of someone that could let me in there, and I, I could never I could never, you know, get a hold of the right person to do that. And one day I was down at the, the hair shanty here in Springfield, and I've mentioned uh, the owner of the, uh, her name's Lynn. I've mentioned her in our Velisca episode, but Lynn had some paranormal things happen when she was you know younger. So uh, every time I'm in there, uh, she would always just discuss like where I've been, that type of thing. And uh, one day I brought up, oh, I'd sure love to investigate the Legacy Theater, but I can't get a hold of anyone that you know can let me do that. And she says, well, that's kind of odd because she said, I'm heading over there tonight after you know after I give you your haircut because I'm supposed to meet with the the new owner and he, I'll, I'll run it by him see what he says you know so she met with uh, 
with the owner that night. She didn't know it was the owner at the time. Actually, um, she knew she was supposed to meet with someone from the uh, from the legacy because she was going to be doing the hair for the performers for their next play. And uh, when she was there, she uh, was talking to a man named Scott Richardson, and she said, you know, uh, at, at one point she says, uh, uh, a friend of mine, Larry Wilson, is a paranormal investigator, and he doesn't do, you know, uh, provoking and that type of thing. He just investigates, and he's been wanting to get in here to do an investigation. So do you know who he could talk to that would let him possibly do an investigation? And Scott says, well, as of tomorrow, it will be me because I'm going to own this place. So anyhow, that's how basically I, I became acquainted with Scott. And uh, it was uh, sometime in early June of 2011 that I had called him and he said, yeah, why don't you come over and I'll give you a walkthrough of the theater and we can talk about, you know, you doing an investigation. So I met with Scott and we had like a, he gave me like a 90 minute walkthrough and he told me some really cool stories because he'd already, you know, he just had it a short time, but he'd already had some experiences in the building. And one of the coolest stories he told me was how when he first bought the building, he said if the place was just a shambles, I mean, the, the auditorium was just piled full of junk. You know, the whole place was just had, you know, old uh, junks, junk and, and costumes, things like that laying around. And he said, uh, I didn't know what to do first. He said, the outside was a mess. I didn't know what to do with the landscaping. I didn't know what to do with the interior. So he said, I decided to do the landscaping first. So he said, I locked the building up and I was supposed to meet with the landscape people the next day. And he said, I had the only key to the building. And he said, I locked up, and then the next morning I, I come in, and he said, like I told you, I didn't know what to do, you know, what to tell the landscapers to do, but he goes into his office at the Legacy, and there's some documents rolled up on his desk, and he unrolls them, and they're the original landscape plans to the building. He said, I have no idea where they came from. They weren't in any paperwork that I had found. No one had access to this building, and no one could have got in but they were laying on my desk. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so, weird. That's weird. But he said it was almost like they were trying to guide me what I'm supposed right, to do. Right, right, right. And he also told me that when he did a walkthrough of the building, originally before he bought it, he said it just had this depressed feeling to it. But the day he bought the building and he walked back in the building, he said it was just like a heaviness had been lifted off the building, like whatever was there knew that he would be, he's the right person. Yeah, to, he was to good run. for it. Right. He was good for it. Awesome. And that's how he came up with the name, too, the legacy. He he, he found uh, uh, the names of a lot of the people who had been associated with the Springfield Theater Guild, who actually made the theater at one time what it was. So he actually had a plaque made with all the names of the, the people that had basically built it up over Very the cool. years. And he named it the legacy Very for cool. that reason. But anyhow, um, he told me several other stories, uh, including... How one night he was there by himself, and he was getting ready for the first play, I think, after they after he purchased the building. And he had a hot glue gun on the stage. It was plugged in. And he was gluing some whatever, you know, I'm not sure exactly what he was gluing, but he would he'd glue some, put some glue on it, and stick it wherever it's supposed to go. And he did this for a while. And at one point, he was he was placing a piece of cloth that he had just put glue on, and he turn, turned back around to grab the glue gun, and it was gone. It was unplugged and gone. And he said, there's nobody here but me. So anyhow, several days later, he's locking up, getting ready to leave. He's walking out of the auditorium, and he looked back, and he saw something under the last row of seats. And he looked to see what it was, and he pulled it out, and it was the hot glue gun. 
or the glue gun, and it had the the cord and the plug wrapped around it, and it had been placed under the last row of seats. And he said, like I said, you know, he said, Larry, I was there by myself. Then how it got there, I have no idea, <laughs> you know. So, and he was there another night and told me that uh, again by himself doing some work on the stage, and just out of the blue, he said he heard all these like pings. And he said it was like somebody took a handful of nails and threw them up in the air. And they just landed and scattered all over the stage, you know. And he said, it's things like that when you're there by, by yourself kind of yeah. kind of startles oh, you. Yeah, know? take your breath away. Yeah, exactly. And when you know the reputation of the of the building itself. Um, I talked to a guy that was a stagehand, and I don't remember his name, but he was doing some work there one night, and he was up on the catwalk. And something caught his attention down on the stage, and he looked— and he saw this shadowy figure of a man just walk across the stage and just kind of, I think he said it went to stage right and just disappeared. You know? huh. They've also seen a little boy, and uh, Scott told me that he's dressed like someone out of the maybe Tom Sawyer days. But the, the newest part of the building would be to what's called stage right. And you can go upstairs there, you know, there's a staircase. But they've seen this little boy, and this is back, you know, in 2011. But they had seen him sitting on the stairs there, and hmm. uh, they don't they don't know who he is or, or what his affiliation with the building might. Any be. Any pictures of any of that, or any no, evidence of no, any of that? No, just stories. Okay. Usually, usually, when that stuff happens, you know, it's just there's no one with a the camera there. Right, right, it's just out of the blue. That's uh, where you come in, exactly, or try to come <laughs> in. But he also he told me stories about how they would just out of the blue would smell like the smell of fresh roses. Huh. And in 2013, again, we're not really going in that t- too much detail today, but I was there with several investigators and. Right off, the, there's a kitchen area, sort of in that new part of the building, or newer, which was, again, built in the 60s. But but anyhow, um, all of a sudden, just out of the blue, we started smelling like a strong odor of roses. Hmm. And we looked all over, and there was nothing in there, you know. So um, the next day, I, I, you know, I contacted Scott, and among the things I asked him, I said, Did, do you have any, like, air fresheners or anything like that that would put off a rose scent? And he said, No. But you know, other folks have, have smelled that 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 smell before, and wow. you know, so and so that's that's kind of the background of the story. Um, my investigations there, like the first one I did, was June seventeenth of two thousand eleven, and a gentleman named Jay, which I've mentioned Jay before, mm-hmm. he did the Sally House investigation mm-hmm. with me. Jay and I uh, were were doing this particular investigation, just the two of us. Uh, we arrived about six thirty in the evening. Scott was still there doing some work. He left about probably eight o'clock. Jay and I had done our thing, set up our equipment, you know, walked around. I showed Jay some of the things that uh, Scott had told me, some of the locations. And then Scott left. So we had our equipment set up. And um, I, I guess you could say we were a little bit disappointed because of all the stories we'd heard and just nothing was going on. At one point, I was down in the basement. Jay was with me. Jay was in one of the old dressing rooms. And I was standing in the doorway. All the lights were off. And all of a sudden, I felt like somebody tapping me on the shoulder. And this was probably about 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. I felt what well, felt like somebody tapping me on the shoulder. So I had Jay uh, hit me with his flashlight, you know, as far as shining his flashlight on me. And when he did, there was a bat. Uh, oh, my oh, God. Oh, oh it was, no. It was, oh. It, was try, oh. it was trying to land on my shoulder. <laughs> and I think because we were in the dark, and I know they have like radar-type senses, but I, was, I wasn't moving. I was like leaning on the doorway, not moving, and I don't think he could sense that I was there. And he was trying to get through me and was banging into me, you know. And uh, Scott knew about the bat. They called him uh, uh, Bartimus after the old uh, old. Uh, Dark Shadows TV show year, years ago. <laughs> Most creeped out I've been during one of these the whole the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, goosebumps and oh, 
But as soon as I moved, the bat took off, you know, it didn't bother us. But you, you'll see that bat in there from time to time. Thanks for throwing that out there. Jeez. <laughs> but uh, so that was really the only excitement we had that night. And uh, there was a you know, like thunderstorm that kind of set the stage for you know, investigating a haunted So you didn't location. hear anything, you didn't see anything, you no. didn't feel anything except for this vampire bat. Right, all right. right. Nothing at all. But what we didn't know was there was all kinds of stuff going on right under our noses because – you know, several days after when I started going through the audio that, that I had recorded, I found a lot of what we call EVPs or disembodied voices that mm-hmm. we had recorded. And these were some of the clearest in the 20-some years that I've been doing this that I've ever recorded. Um, I'll let you go ahead and play the first one, and then I'll set up what happened. Well, let me set maybe set it up first, and I won't go into too much detail. But we had tape recorders set up in the basement and uh, video cameras, and I had a tape recorder in my hand and a video camera in my hand just walking around. And all of a sudden, which we didn't know was there, a sump pump kicked on in one of the rooms down in the basement. So in this uh, audio clip, you'll hear me uh, say something in the beginning, uh, like uh, if there's any spirits there, just say something so we'll know that you're here. Uh, I'm just paraphrasing. But anyhow, when the sump pump is running in the background, kicks on, you can hear me move around. Uh, the door to the room where the sump pump was had a, an extension cord over it. So you'll hear me take the cord off, open and kind of close the door. So you'll hear a bang. And then as soon as you hear the bang, you'll hear a whispery voice. Well, that's not it. Noise of some type to prove to us that you are here. So you can hear the whisper yeah. at the end. Right. We'll play that again. I'll play the shorter clip for you guys. So what do you think is being said? Well, and again, if you have little kids listening, I, I'm going to say a swear word. So um, I believe it says you left shit there. Yeah. And it's pretty clear. You can hear it whispered pretty clear. Yeah. And so... Is it referring to something you left in the room? Well, I talked to Scott because I played the clip for Scott. And Scott said, you know, Larry, like I told you before, when I first bought this place, there was so much clutter. And at that time, the basement was cleaned up. And Scott said, because what had happened was there was a metal chair down there. And when I had to close that door to try to drown out the sound of the sump pump, I set my video camera and my uh, tape recorder on this metal chair. And then I, you know, like I said, I took the, t- the uh, cord off the door, um, shut the door to muffle the sound, and the sump pump kicked off. But anyhow, Scott said, I think it was telling you, don't leave that stuff here, that, that stuff there. He's telling you, you left shit there. One more time, here it is. Noise of some type to prove to us that you are here. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's creepy, man. And you didn't hear that while you were there? No, not at all. We didn't hear anything that night. Like I said, we were disappointed. The most excitement we had was the bat and a thunderstorm. And that was the recorder picked up in that same room that you were in, or was there a different recorder that picked up? No, there was a different recorder. I didn't have, excuse me, I didn't have a recorder in that room. Oh, okay. Uh, The recorder, my handheld recorder, (coughs) excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, My handheld recorder is the one that picked that up. Okay. So the one I set on the metal chair picked that up. So you're talking probably a distance of 20 feet gotcha. you know, from, from the voice. But now you and I have had discussions and I don't, you, I know you don't buy into this like I do, but <laughs> just by chance years ago, I had investigated a place in Quincy, Illinois and recorded a voice that we couldn't understand. And the investigators with me was uh, Craig Whitworth from Chatham. And Craig had like 30 years of audio experience of like doing research. And he said, it sounds to me like this is being, like someone speaking backwards. So we reversed it and it clearly said something like backwards that it didn't say forward. Right. So since that time, I started reversing every clip that I record, every right. EVP that I record. And if you reverse the, I, you left uh, shit there. If you reverse it, 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 to me, it says clearly had to show him. Huh? So I don't know if, can you highlight that and reverse it or? No, you didn't send me that clip, so we're, we can't do it right now because we're recording in the Adobe right now. Okay, okay, so okay, we gotcha, don't have that. gotcha. I, I, you have a reversal of something coming up later, but you don't have the reversal of, of that, that one. one. Okay, gotcha, sorry. But to me, it clearly said, had to show you. Okay. And, and the premise of this reversal stuff, I, there's a uh, speech pathologist from Australia named uh, John David Oates, but he believes that what's said in reverse at times relates to what is said forward. If you think about it, um, had to show him would relate to, you know, you left, you know, whatever. There. Right, right, right. Because I did leave something there. So right. he said I had to show him. So, know? and you're right. I mean, when you when you talk about the reversal stuff, I don't 100% buy into it because I think my training in radio is everything is said straightforward. Everything is spoken through communication in one wave or one uh, tone. Um, but again, when you start talking about the paranormal, I've had to research it on my own and yeah. look into some other things. And I have read and have, and in this, I, I think I, 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 I put more, uh, I guess weight into believing that if it is something like a spirit or a demon or an angel or whatever in that paranormal realm, it might want to say something in reverse or say something backwards right. just so that it's not understood by us, but it's understood by the spirit that is communicating. And, it, it and may that have, is it. It may have some meaning to the spirit or whatever right. that I can say this in reverse. He won't understand it. Right. But at least I said it to him. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Now, yeah. I do believe, I mean, because like, again, you know, if, if, if you're dealing with something not good and they want to stay where they are, right. but they want to communicate with us. And the, the one thing that's really odd about the reversals is... And you've heard some clear ones that you've, I have, that yeah. you've accepted. But what, what's really well, odd— You've of, got a clear one coming up here in a minute. I mean, yeah. it's pretty clear. But what's odd about them is, phonetically, what you, what's said in reverse, you couldn't spell it with no. what is said forward. No. It doesn't make Not sense. Uh, so this next one was found in the stage area before we get to that reversal clip. Yeah. Um, I told the bat story. So in this clip, you'll hear me say, it's calmed down out there. And I'm referring to the thunderstorm. And then, and Jay and I had just been talking about how dull the night was, how all these stories we'd heard and nothing had been happening. So we were kind of disappointed, you know. So I said, it, it's calmed down out there. And then Jay at the end will say something like, well, at least we had the bat, whatever, you know. But in between our conversation, you'll hear a voice. And it, it's kind of a whispery voice. It's calmed down out there. 
Well, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> One more time. So what do you think that uh, little whisper is right there in the middle? I think it's saying it's a, it's a man's voice, and I think it's saying that's your own conclusion. Yeah, I hear that's your conclusion for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, it's yep. crystal no clear that's your conclusion, and that's weird because it's 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 intelligently it's, it's listening. responding. It's listening to our conversation, saying it, it's it's to me, it's basically saying, you know, you guys don't know what you're talking about because I'm standing right here, you know, <laughs> right, 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 and, and it hasn't calmed down in here. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we didn't hear that, but you can hear how loud it is, so it had to be really close. Yeah, to yeah, it. yeah. And this was on that was on the stage area. Here's the, the first reversal clip uh, that we're gonna play. Explain it. Oh, okay. Well, Jay, Jay's heritage, his, his family is originally from India. And you're going to hear a voice or a, a word that's said that we don't know what it means, but it's said in sort of an Indian or Hindu-type accent. Um, and like I said, Joe's family heritage is—or Joe, I'm sorry, uh, Jay's family heritage is from India. And he talked to his parents and played this for them. They had never heard this word before, so it's not— of their heritage, but uh, but anyhow, uh, Bonzi's going to play the clip. So that's you and Jay talking. Yeah, right? we're, t- we're talking about the new part of the building and about the little boy that's seen there, and like, what would he be doing there? That kind of thing. We're just having a discussion. And then out of the blue, this this word, which I think says Kriloza, which means that we can't find a meaning for it, uh, comes out of the blue. Kriloza. He made directions to the new part. Kriloza. He made. Kriloza. Kriloza. He made directions. Now, do you want to know what I think it says? Yeah, go ahead. I was waiting to tell you this. Yeah. You're in a theater. Right. I think it's saying close up. Say, play it again. I've never thought of that. I think it's saying close up. You know, that very well could be. This has happened to us before when we do yeah, live. Yeah, you yeah, know, we, yeah. Uh, you come up with something or I come up with something. But I think that, it's saying close up. That would make sense. And with that accent, <laughs> yeah. it sounded like Kriloza, but yeah. it may be saying close yeah, up. Yeah. And, and, and again... Listen to how loud that is yeah, it's compared to our voices. Very loud. <laughs> I'm to- I, I totally hear. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I totally hear close up. Close up. Close up. I hear close yeah. up. Like yeah. it's like a, like it's a different and who knows? accent. He could be standing there making fun of us, <laughs> acting like he has a video yes. camera filming. Yes. Close up, yes. you know. But that, so, that makes sense, Bonds. So you reversed it. Yes. Okay, and then this is what you got after you reversed it. Uh, 
and tell him what you think it says. I think it says I love you. Yeah, I think you can. I think you can. You could get I love you. I think out of that. I think I hear I love you. But I really, really hear close up on that first yeah, one, man. Well, I, I hear close now that up you like said crystal that, I do. clear. I mean, it's now that you said that, I do positive. That's what it is, and that would make more sense than Crelozo, which means nothing. And I wanted you your know. reaction to live on the <laughs> podcast, and you, I mean, it's yeah. it's legit. I, I mean, that, I, I that heard that close up like it would like it reminded me of Moulin Rouge and the director from that Moulin Rouge movie, close up, and he's just like excited. It's crazy. And this was before that movie too. Yeah, way so, before that. Yeah. All right, next one here is uh, The Basement. Yeah, uh, Jay and I are down in the basement. We don't hear anything, again, all night. So uh, once again, when I went through my recordings, I found a long, you can hear what may sound like singing or conversations, but there's conversations going on in the background. There could be a little bit of music mixed in. Oh, it, I had the, the the boogie one first. You oh, said, I'm, you said, I'm sorry. I'm okay. sorry. Okay, yes, you do. That's right. I don't have that on my list. Yeah, this is another one where... Um, again, we didn't hear this, and it is loud. What do you think it's saying? I'm, I have no doubt it's saying this is the boogeyman. Yeah, I hear the boogeyman, like the boogeyman, like the boogeyman. And this oh. is down in the basement. And listen to it echo. I mean, when we would talk down the basement, our voices would echo because there was nothing down there. But this echoes as well. <laughs> and we should have heard that. You should have heard that and you didn't hear anything. Didn't hear a thing. All right. Now we get to get to the part. Sorry, yeah, sorry. This, this one here, probably other than the close-up one now, because the close-up one to me when you sent that to me, I heard close up right away. Yeah. This one though too, when you sent it, when you sent it last night, and I, I was listening to it at my house. And sometimes I'll have to when you send clips, I'll have to take my phone and I'll have to hold it up, you right. know, to my ears so I can really, really hear it. You know, this one, I, it was so loud. I, I had to pull the phone away from my head because you can hear this so good. And if you did not hear this when you were there. That is insane. It is. Yeah, we didn't hear it. So explain um, where this was at and, and what you think is being done here. Once again, this was down in the basement near the old dressing room areas. So um, we didn't hear it. So I'll, I'll let you play the clip and then I'll explain what I think is going on. I mean, golly, that is a long, yeah. long. What? How long is that clip? That's got to be. Well, that's almost yeah, ten seconds long, man. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. And there's multiple voices now. And again, there's also feedback now. See, but I hear music. I do too. too. I hear I like too. some. I don't know if it's a piano or it kind of sounds like you know, like a record player is playing music, and someone is kind of warming up or singing along with the record play, one of those old record players, you know, the projection that, ones? Or my thought was, we're down in a basement right under the stage. My thought was it sounded like a rehearsal going from, on from back in the day. Yeah. But you hear, like, um, feedback. Yeah. None of my equipment causes feedback. Right. The tape recorders don't cause feedback. So it was like they were maybe singing into a microphone or something, getting a little feedback. Right. Right. 
I love that. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Yeah, that's a great one. There's only one other clip that you've sent to me like that. I, fa- I mean, it might have been on your Vandalia investigation it was. where you sent me one, and, and and it's just so crystal clear that there's music or singing or something going on there. It was like either or, uh, organ or accordion music. Yeah, yeah. And it was so loud, it drowned it out our voices. Yeah, but this is great. I mean, that's 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 a great great clip and. Uh, it's always good to get the payoff, right? When nothing happens that night, and we, yeah. we've had we've only had that happen to us the one time on one of our investigations where it was just kind of not really much fun, and then afterwards, you know, we listened to it. So kudos to you for having the patience to well, keep doing this stuff. And that's why I set up so many tape recorders. But over the years, I've found that usually the investigations that nothing happens is where you record the most, yeah, for whatever reason. That's you know? awesome. So yeah. the Legacy Theater here in Springfield, man, uh, do they still do tours? Will they do let people uh, go in no. and investigate? No, um, they don't. As a matter of fact, uh, after I, I investigated it uh, four times, I've got one more story. We'll go through the Halloween 2011 uh, investigation. 2013, but, you mean? Uh, no, 2011. Oh, okay. This is the same year. Okay. Later on that year. But uh, but no, after I did like my, my three investigations, Scott is worried about letting people in because what's there now? is good. Right. And he's happy with that. And he's afraid people will come in and do weird things, rituals, that kind of thing. And the next thing you know, they've got some negativity going on there, which right. he doesn't doesn't like. He says, you know, I, I'm happy the way this building feels now, and, yeah. I, and I don't want to mess that up. Sure. And I know they do a, a, a downtown walking tour, uh-huh. and he'll let them come up to the front steps. And a matter of fact, they tell the story on the walking tour, and I'm not sure exactly how they got that story, but the next tour I'm going to tell is something that happened to me that they tell on this tour. Um, but anyhow, uh, yeah, you can you can go on the downtown walking tour. I'm not sure who runs that tour, but uh, uh, they'll talk a little bit about okay. the legacy and what goes on there. But that same year, 2011, um, I went back to the legacy on Halloween night, and Jay went again with me and an investigator named Tim Hart. He's a local paranormal investigator. He's been doing it for years. Uh, a friend of mine named Jamie went with us. Um, but uh, and, and Chris, investigator Chris, that we've talked about before. We were all there this particular night. And the thing that happened that night was down in the basement area near the old dressing rooms, I set up uh, an infrared camera on what's Joe Neville's old dressing room. But we didn't realize before we did the investigation that Scott had installed motion-censored lights down in the basement. So we tried and tried and tried to shut this particular light off, and we couldn't figure out how to do it. We found the switch on the wall, and you could set it to either on, off, or automatic. And it was set to automatic. So we set the switch to off, and we left the room figuring it's motion-censored. It's not going to go out for a little bit. So we set the switch to off, and we left for about a half hour, investigated a different part of the building. And we came back down there. The light was still on. And it was messing up my infrared camera that I had focused on Joe's dressing room because when you have light, it bleaches out the infrared. So you can't really see anything. It just looks like a a bright white light is all you can see. So anyhow, this went on for a while and we'd basically just given up, you know, so as far as shutting the light off. So at one point we're down in the basement near the dressing rooms and we were using the SB7, what they call spirit box. And we ask questions. And this box, we've talked about it before. It's like an AM, FM radio that's been altered, that it continuously scans the frequencies. Right, right. So we had to set on FM. It's scanning the frequency about 100 milliseconds per second. And I start asking questions. And I said, if there's any spirits here, can you tell us your name? And believe it or not, Joe came through. And I'm thinking, well, if Joe Neville's here, 
let me try something. So I just said, and I'm again paraphrasing what I said, but I said, Joe, if you're here, I said, I've got my video camera set up and this light down here is interfering with my filming. So I can't film. Do you mind turning the light off? And I no sooner got the word off out of my mouth and the lights went out immediately. And we're all kind of like ooing and aahing. Wow. You know, and then I'm thinking, well, that could have just been coincidence. So I said, Joe, if that's you, can you turn the light back on again? And as soon as I no sooner got again out of my mouth and the switch, the, the switch <laughs> or whatever, the light came back on. And Chris was standing about three feet away from the light switch. And I said, Chris, did you turn the light switch one way or another? No, he says, man, I'm not, I'm not touching it, you know? So I said, Joe, just one more time, can you turn the light off again? And as soon as I said off, it went out. And we're all getting a little nervous, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I said, even though I'd already said just one more time, I said, Joe, can, just one more time, can you turn the light back on? Well, the light came back on, but it started going on and off so fast. It was almost like a strobe light. It was going on and off so fast. And we said, okay, okay, we believe you, you know. Hey, he's tired of you asking him to do it. Exactly. And it continued, though, for, I would say, close to a minute. And then it finally just shut off. And we were just like all in awe, you know. (laughs) And then the next day, I contacted Scott to let him know what happened. And he contacted the security company. And they said, there's no way in heck that that should happen. Because if you turn that to automatic, if we're in that room, that light doesn't go out. Right. And if we turn it to off, which we had, it should not come on right. you know, after after the people leave the room right. it shouldn't come back on and, and it did you know <laughs> so that, that they said that wasn't possible you know so, wow yeah and then uh, just one more quick story uh, in, in 13 uh, when I, I did an investigation on Halloween night of 13 and I left the building you know I was all there by myself all night and I turned all the lights out and I walked out in the dark with my equipment with my flashlight you know and I set my equipment outside and I had to be kind of careful because once the door locked I couldn't get back in you know so I set my equipment outside holding the door open and turned back and looked. All the lights are off in the place, you know. And that night, it was cold in there. Be- or I, I shouldn't say cold. It, it was warm in there because the air conditioner wasn't running. This is in October. So anyhow, the next day, uh, I slept late because of an all-night investigation. And I noticed I had text messages from Scott, like two or three. So I called him back. And this is like 8 o'clock probably the next night. And I called Scott back. And he said, Larry, when you left, did you leave all the lights on? And did you turn the air conditioner on? And I said, Scott, I had I walked out in the dark, and I said, I don't even know how to turn the air conditioner on because it's a huge unit. It's got all these gadgets and controls, you know. I said, I don't even know how to turn it on. He laughed. He said, yeah, I know. He said, it's just that, you know, uh, this has happened a lot. He said, uh, people will be in the building. They'll leave. They turn everything off. The next day they come in, everything's running again. So, but he said, <laughs> all the lights and the air conditioner are running full blast. <laughs> That's the legacy theater right here in Springfield. So even though that they don't allow investigations anymore— uh, you can maybe go check out a show there. You can oh, maybe yeah. go check out a play Absolutely. or a concert or something. And uh, uh, you know the uh, history of the building now. And you know, like, maybe you might see a kid sitting on the stairs. You might see some lights flickering off and on. And there you go. Just break out your phone. We'd like to see the, the evidence. Yeah, okay? and if you're sitting next to somebody and it's a man, you might <laughs> kind of touch him just to make sure he's really there. You that know? is awesome. All right, there you go. That is episode number 10 and the Legacy Theater in the Books. Well, thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next week as Bonzi and I once again pull the string and unravel more mysteries of the paranormal. Until next week, happy hauntings!